You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. All right, so for my final little bit today, I wanted to um, introduce a new segment, one that may be weekly, unless I run out of things to say. Uh, It may be bi-weekly. We'll see. We'll feel it out. But it's going to be called the Red Pill of the Week. So I want to go through some different verified conspiracies, good examples that we might get into later, MKUltra, Operation Paperclip, things like that. Uh, So what is out there that is verifiable, that shows the government as having enmity towards the people? What can we look at? What can shake us free of some of our preconceived notions when it comes to the state, police, the feds, etc. You are a slave. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. So I want to start off by telling you a a little story about the night that Philadelphia was given the name The City That Bombed Itself. MOVE is a black liberation movement of anarcho-primitivists out of West Philadelphia. They've been active since 1972. The name MOVE, although it's in all caps, is not an acronym. They were named after what they were intended to do, which is to literally move. Uh, As the founder, John Africa, said, everything that's alive moves. If it didn't, it would be stagnant, dead. And when members of MOVE greet each other, they say, on the move. Uh, But yeah, so MOVE was kind of a mix of black power and flower power. Uh, It was actually once, before it was called MOVE, it was called the Christian Movement for Life. Uh, These guys, they adopted dreadlocks like the Rastafarians. Uh, They they were into green politics, animal rights. They openly opposed science, medicine, technology, and they sought to return to a hunter-gatherer society. They actually believe that all living things are equally important, and all these people changed their last name to Africa to show reverence for their mother continent. So MOVE was very outward in their beliefs. They demonstrated against puppy mills, zoos, circuses, and any form of quote-unquote enslaved animals. As Del Africa, one of the members put it, they refused to bow down to this murderous, racist, sexist, rotten-ass system. They protested Three Mile Island's nuclear power plant, industrial pollution, and police brutality. And MOVE was well acquainted with police brutality. MOVE liked to share their political ideology via expletives over a bullhorn 24-7. In 1978, after complaints by their neighbors, the police decided to remove them from the house that they lived in, their little commune. After some negotiation over time, including letting some of the MOVE members out of jail and them giving up weapons or coming peacefully, etc. Things didn't work out when it came to negotiations, and the police were fed up, and MOVE was unwilling to, ironically, move. So that's when the first standoff with those remaining in that house happened. When the police actually tried to enter the house, gunshots erupted. A policeman was shot in the back of the neck, and he died. Of course... The police blamed the nine remaining members in the house, despite MOVE claiming that they had no operable weapons in the house, and eyewitnesses claiming, you know what? 
that may have come from behind the police officer. It may have actually come from another police officer. Could have been friendly fire. Those nine people were charged with third degree murder. Fast forward to today. Two of the nine died in prison. Two of them are still in prison. And the rest spent an average of 40 years behind bars before they were let go. However, in 1985, after Move had moved into a new house, the same complaints started coming in from neighbors. There was too much trash. The bullhorn was being used to shout their expletive-filled messages, and confrontations naturally happened between the members of Move and their neighbors. Eventually, though, about three weeks before the city burned itself down, the bullhorn died. But the police and the neighbors were still unhappy. The police obtained arrest warrants for four of the residents of the new house, and the police commissioner named Move a terrorist organization. The police decided they were going to do a siege this time. And as you know from Waco, anytime the government decides to do a siege, they're not too worried about collateral damage or children. This was a proto-Waco. The police evacuated the rest of the neighborhood in preparation for this siege, which is odd when you hear what happens. It's almost like they thought it through. On Monday, May 13th, 1985, nearly 500 police officers and the city manager attempted to clear the building and execute the arrest warrants. That's right, 500 cops showed up. Uh, they turned off the water to the house, they turned off the power, and they tried to get the move people to come out that way. But again, move didn't move. They stood their ground, and this time, they had weapons. There was an armed standoff. The police lobbed tear gas at the building, Move shot back. The police actually went through somewhere around 10,000 rounds of ammunition at the house, but Move didn't move. That's, that's when the police decided to do something drastic. Instead of using tanks to burn down their compound, they decided to be even more like blatantly deliberate about what they were going to do. They dropped two one-pound Tovex bombs. Tovex is a dynamite substitute. Um, they dropped this on the roof of the house targeting what they called a bunker-like cubicle. The explosions, believe it or not, started a fire when it reached a gasoline-powered generator on the rooftop. The police actually held back the firefighters from stopping the fire at the Move house because they were afraid that Move would shoot at the firefighters, okay? But the fire spread, and it destroyed that house. But it didn't just destroy that house. It destroyed around 65 neighboring houses. 11 people, including 5 children, died that day. Regardless of the warrants out for contempt of court, possession of firearms, alleged terrorist threats, or whatever the, the police had on move, I find it hard to justify dropping bombs on a house in the middle of a city. I mean, I find it hard to justify subsequently burning down, or at least not stopping the burning down of 65 houses that other people owned due to people and the police's distaste for expletive-laced bullhorn politics. I find it hard to justify the deaths of children over a handful of warrants. I can't find that justification, can you? I mean, say what you will about MOVE, disagree with them, be annoyed by them, want them out of your neighborhood. I mean, for God's sake, talk to each other. Find out better ways to handle them or to physically remove them from their house. But don't kill the kids, man. What? The state does not like being challenged physically or politically. They will do what they can to shut you up if you pose any sort of threat or if you annoy your neighbors enough. They're going to use the police, the arm 
of the state, the sword of the state, who are allegedly there to protect and serve. And they're going to use those police to drop bombs on houses, on your house, or drive a tank through your front door just because you're too loud, because you don't agree with, with everyone on your street. But don't worry. Don't worry. In 1996, a federal jury ordered the city to pay a $1.5 million civil suit judgment to survivor Ramona Africa and relatives of two people killed in the bombing. The jury found that the city used excessive force and violated the members' constitutional protections against unreasonable search and seizure. I'm sure that $1.5 million in blood money was able to bring all those kids, all those adults, just right back to life. <sighs> all right, so there's your red pill. Don't take the whole bottle.